I've noticed something over the years that causes me to pause even today, and it seems like it's a growing phenomenon, and I'm concerned about how it affects your ability to find healthy fellowship and to grow in Christ. And so I thought I'd take a few minutes and just point it out to you, get you thinking in that direction, and listen to some of the texts that I share with you today, and then Pray about it. Give it some thought and and uh, consider whether or not this is something that you might need to be uh, examining and be rid of. And that is this propensity to be attracted to personalities and celebrity pastors. Um, going through a Facebook post recently, I noticed that there's a growing number of men and women on social media who have these rather uh, important-sounding ministry titles. And oftentimes the subtitle will be something like, quote, the teaching ministry of John Doe, the teaching ministry of so-and-so. And it's as if they have a ministry, <laughs> as if somehow the ministry is theirs, and you better be careful to listen to them because it's their teaching ministry. Uh, they don't seem to get it, and it's so subtle so if I ever say to you, this is Encounter Recovery Ministries, the Bible today, the teaching ministry of Rick Peterson, let me encourage you just to stop right there and turn me off. Because as chances are there's that probably not a whole lot that I have more to say to you. But I, I don't do that deliberately. I don't have a teaching ministry per se. Whatever ministry I have is Christ's ministry to his people in and through me. That which I receive from the Lord give I unto you. So I know this sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but as you'll see in a few moments, this really isn't. This is a very serious issue, and it creates some very serious harm to the body of Christ. First of all, it creates followers based upon style and personality over content. We live in a Hollywood and Disneyland culture. We live in superstars. We have celebrities. And, and tragically, that has found its way into the church so that we have superstars. We have celebrities. We have uh, people that we look to and admire and we follow. Instead, these we have pastors that do the same thing and that we do the same thing too instead of acknowledging them as shepherds of God's household. Let's look at... Let's look at some text here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This will help you see what I'm talking about. Because none of this is new, is it? I mean, it's been around for as long as the preaching of the gospel has been around. There have been two classes of ministers. There, in the first century, there were the during the apostolic era, there was Paul and Peter and, and James and others and John who were persecuted and suffering uh, ministers of the gospel of grace and truth. And then there was this second class of preachers, these the Judaizers and the philosophers who came along and pretended to be Christian ministers, but they're always full of selfish ambition. They're always full of um, themselves. They're always promoting themselves and not Christ. And the end result was they were, they were, they were sowing Seeds of division and immaturity among believers. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. Um, 
And now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now what I mean is this, that each of you is saying, quote, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one will say would be able to say that you were baptized in my name. You see how subtle this is? Already, already in the early church in Corinth, the people were dividing up along lines of personalities. They, they were dividing up along personality and style instead of paying attention to the content. And that's exactly what we do, at least in America. You may be listening in a different part of the world, but that's what we do in America. And I suspect that happens in many countries throughout the world. It's not unique to us. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, he goes on to say, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is a jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul, servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God is causing the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now, what kind of growth is Paul talking about there? He's talking about conversions. We would say increases. God causes the increase or God causes the growth. We would automatically go to, well, this guy's got 3,000 people in his church. He must be a really a real man of God. And that's not the growth that we're talking about here. We're talking about uh, Paul's concern is not only are they converted, but that they're growing in Christ. And it's only when you have faithful shepherds of God's household and not celebrity pastors filled with selfish ambition and motivation that you can expect to grow in Christ and enjoy unity among your fellow believers in the church. Now the alternative to faithful ministry where you're actually growing, you're actually finding unity among yourselves, is to, to continue to follow one of these celebrity pastors. Be careful of these people. They've taken a proprietary in, uh, interest in the gospel, as if the gospel is a product to be peddled, as if the ministry is about style and personality, so they can dub their ministry the teaching ministry of so-and-so and so-and-so. It's really disturbing. I mean, I look at some of these websites and these social media sites and there's photos of of this him or her everywhere on it 
It's all focused on them. It shows them standing in the pulpit with their arms raised or, you know, people surrounding them smiling. And uh, if you see these men in their church or you see them at a conference, they're signing their name to Bibles. Oh, my goodness. And I understand. I've, I've been at those conferences. I've, I've sat in awe looking at these giants of Christianity, not thinking any difference because I was so immature. I didn't understand that these were just men. These were just people. 2 Corinthians 2.17 says this, For we are not like many, peddling the word of God for profit, says the NIV, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. See, there you have it. Let me read that again. For we are not like many, so many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. There's the two different, one's a biblical ministry and one is a worldly ministry. But when you're making your ministry about you, the teaching ministry of John Joe, John Johnson, or Jane Smith, as if they have some kind of a ministry. The only ministry exists is the ministry of Christ. And I don't understand why they take such a proprietary sense of, of the ministry. Um... So this is not new. It's plagued the church throughout her history. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 2, Paul says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, the ministry of new covenant, we received mercy. We do not lo lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So there you go again. You have a contrast. Here is Paul's ministry. He and his associates as faithful um, ministers of the new covenant, ministers who have been made faithful and made adequate, sufficient by God himself. And then you have these other guys who are walking in craftiness, adulterating the word of God, and no doubt making their ministry all about them. It's plagued the church and it's plaguing the church today. Person, personality and style over content. I mean, some of these guys, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you've got... Um, any number of study Bibles named after these guys individually these days. It's kind of embarrassing. You can't even open your Bible without them telling you what it's all about. And then you have these conference people. Let me, let me turn to one more text. Philippians chapter 2. Let me just show you how extensive this was that was happening. And it's happening today. And I want you to be aware of that. I want you to be discerning. I'm not saying you should never listen to somebody who's got a book deal, who's somebody who's on TV. Or, I mean, I could say that and probably be safer to say that. I'm just saying be discerning. Be careful. There, we've, we've fallen into a narcissism within American Christian ministry that's really um, dangerous. 
Selfish ambition over caring for the flock. This was happening in Philippi to the point where Paul had to send Timothy to Philippi just to see if how the people were doing. The elders and the pastors apparently were so caught up pursuing their own interests that Paul couldn't depend on them to care for the church. He says in verse 19 of Philippians chapter 2, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I may also be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Think of that. Whatever the pastors and elders were going, doing in Philippi, they weren't caring for the church. Why was that? Verse 21 will tell us. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. There you go. So it's not new. And maybe you're just not aware of how extensive it is. After all, we do live in a culture of personalities, right? We have these cults of personalities on every level of our culture. And it's infiltrated the church, and now we have all these celebrities. One of, one of the other things that concerns me is all these conferences that we have, these evangelicals, especially on the more conservative tilt, have, have all these conferences all the time. And it's always the same five or ten personalities speaking at these conferences, and then they're always sitting on these panels with hundreds or thousands of people in the audience, and they're answering questions from the audience and speaking as though they're speaking as though they're speaking ex cathedra, meaning like the Pope. They're speaking infallible. These people gather at the conferences to listen to these men as if they have something to say that is some kind of unique illumination, some kind of a unique insight, because they are so their personality is so strong and that they couldn't have gotten from the local pastor, a faithful local pastor. So what happens to congregations when the local pastor is made to seem as a nobody compared to these giant personalities who speak at all these conferences throughout the year? Most of these conferences are attended by pastors. The local pastor is looked upon then as a disappointment. How come our pastor doesn't have a book deal? How come our pastor's not speaking at a conference? How come our pastor isn't doing this stuff? How come he's not a radio or TV personality? So they see the local pastor who's merely giving you the word of God every week after laboring over it all week and delivering it by the power of the Spirit. They see him as just less than. I mean, I guess to really hear from God, you got to go to one of these conferences and and present your question to these these men up on the stage. Or the local pastor then becomes filled with envy and selfish ambition himself because he wants to become one of these platform dwellers. This too is not new, beloved. We have to guard against these things. It's hard to have to say it. But it's true. And it's harming you. That's what, that, that's what bothers me the most. Not only are they, are they bringing um, some kind of new thinking into the church as far as what pastoral ministry is concerned, but it's harming you. 
and it's so subtle and so normative. That's been the problem throughout church history, is that genuine pastoral care and genuine preaching has been in the minority view. And what's been in the majority view has been so toxic and so unbiblical, but because it's in the majority view, we think it's normative. Remember Matthew 23 when Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes. And he said this, They love the place of honor. Well, let me back up to verse 5. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries, their little uh, streams, strings that hung from their, their robes, and the things that they wear around their, their uh, wrists and on their foreheads, and lengthen the tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues, and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. That's that. Those were the men who were opposing Jesus. And those are the same type of men who were opposing the apostles. And those same type of men are opposing the local pastor's ministry today. They may say, oh, no, no, we support the local pastor. We, 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 we get it. We care about the local pastor. But they don't. They're, they're there to get you to listen to them. I mean, some of these guys on social media, they, they'll even use shameless marketing techniques. They'll, they'll use lost leaders. One fellow is even offering you a really nice leather-bound um, ESV Bible at a discount price. But in order to purchase it, you have to give him all your contact information. And then you get inundated with emails and other offerings and promoting the teaching ministry of this fellow. Really quite nauseating. I get that along with other car ads and furniture ads and all these other people peddling their wares and I get this guy peddling the gospel. So there is no genuine ministry that does not belong to Christ. And let me close with this. Ephesians chapter 4. This is very important, the nuance here. Ephesians chapter 4. We have to get over this narcissistic thinking and quit fueling it by, by applauding these guys and buying their stuff. I mean, <laughs> they even sell t-shirts, some of them. Okay. Paul says in verse 17 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, So I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding and excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. Paul's saying legitimate ministry will bring transformation into your life. Unlike the Gentiles, the unbelievers, and they having been Come callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, 
if indeed, listen now carefully, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. That's what I want you to see is a nuance there. If indeed you have heard him, now some translations today uh, will read as if you have heard about him. But the New King James, the New American Standard, and the Legacy Standard, I believe it is, also catches this nuance really well. You've heard from Christ. You've heard him. He's the one who called you. Not the evangelist. He's the ones whose voice you heard. The day is coming and now is when the dead in Christ, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Did you hear Christ? And then it says, and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus. How do you know you've been taught? Because you've been taught how to be successful in life and how to get a new job and how to reach your self-realization? No. Verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So what is my essential concern for you today? Is that you steer clear of these men and women who claim that they have some kind of a teaching ministry. The ministry belongs to Jesus. And the ministry belongs to the local church primarily. Now, there's obviously nothing wrong with ancillary ministries. Uh, a lot of what I do here are people that I work with. You're listening to the sound of my voice. You're probably listening to me in the counseling office as well. Or in our home church. You're listening to me here. So this, But if whoever you are, wherever you are in the world, if you're listening to this, you're welcome to be here. I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. I am your brother in Christ. But more than anything, I want this to be a resource where you hear the voice of Christ, that you are pointed to Christ over and over again. Whatever I receive, I receive from the Lord and I give it to you. That's why I use so much scripture in my talks with you. I want you to hear from the Spirit. I want you to your eyes and your ears to be illuminated and, and your mind to be illuminated and heart illuminated so that you hear from the Lord, not just me. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's um, a fear and trembling that I approach this because I really want you to hear from the Lord. It's his ministry to you. And I take that very seriously, very soberly, and very joyfully as well. Well, beware, stand clear. Somebody's promoting themselves to the point where it just gets uncomfortable. Trust that discomfort. Find the local pastor. If you have a local pastor, by the way, who prepares sermons, who cares for you, who does effective counseling, and actually cares for the flock, he's worth his weight in gold. Honor him, protect him, pray for him. Make sure he and his family are well compensated for his time because he is rare these days. Amen.